This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. World War II Radio Podcast. Today's episode consists of two segments. The first is an address by Canadian Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King, marking three years since Canada entered the war. It first aired over the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation stations on September 10, 1942. Our second segment is an interview with then-Senator Harry Truman, broadcast over KMBC, this week in 1942. At this point, of course, Truman was still more than two years away from winning election as Franklin Roosevelt's third and final vice president. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcast where you can find links to all of our past episodes as well as the books featured in our podcast. So thanks for listening. Enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. The Right Honorable W.L. Mackenzie King, Prime Minister of Canada. His subject is Three Years of War. Today, Canada enters upon the fourth year of war. Three years ago, it was difficult for men and women anywhere to believe what was told them of the probable duration of the war. Much less were they prepared to believe that Hitler's aim was world conquest. I doubt if peoples whose countries have not been invaded even yet appreciate the magnitude of the enemy's designs. Only those who themselves have been the victims of Nazi or Japanese deception, terrorism, and violence have begun to comprehend the real issue. At the time of Britain's entry into the war, speaking of the attack upon Poland by the armed forces of Germany, I said in a nationwide broadcast, the fate of a single city, the preservation of the independence of a particular nation, are the occasion, not the real cause, of the present conflict. Referring to Hitler's methods and aim, I added, It is this reliance upon force, this lust for conquest, this determination to dominate throughout the world, which is the real cause of the war that today threatens the freedom of mankind. Those words may have seemed extravagant at the time they were used three years ago. I question, however, if today any intelligent person will dispute their truth that the war today threatens the freedom of mankind is abundantly clear. I should like to draw a distinction tonight, as I did three years ago, between the cause of the war and the real issue in the war. The cause, as I then said, was the lust for conquest, world domination. The real issue, however, goes even deeper. More than world domination is involved. 
Domination need not be wholly evil. You have heard it said that the best type of ruler is a benevolent despot. To have the world controlled by benevolence, however absolute the control, might not be an unmixed blessing. But a world ruled by a tyrant, himself the incarnation of evil, would not be a blessing in any form. It would be an unmixed curse. Yet, that would be the fate of the world should the enemy triumph in the conflict between the Axis powers and the United Nations. In three years of war, we have become only too familiar with the evidences of the satanic power of the enemy. Our minds have recoiled from the horrors, brutalities, and atrocities which, since Poland was attacked, have been recorded day by day. They, however, are but surface indications of something deeper and more malevolent. The Nazi purpose is to destroy every belief and to subvert every institution <clears throat> which from childhood's days men and women of the free countries of the world have been taught to reverence. Their aim is the total destruction of Christian civilization. Sometime before the invasion of Poland, Hitler himself said, whoever lights the torch of war in Europe can wish for nothing but chaos. Nothing but chaos. That represents the sum of what Nazi Germany thus far has contributed to the world. I have seen nowhere a truer statement of the real issue in this war than one by Miss Audrey Alexandra Brown, a young Canadian whose name and writings are, I am sure, familiar to many of you. Miss Brown completely rejects the idea that nothing is happening now which did not happen in the Dark Ages or under earlier despotisms. She defines the issue in these words. Certainly, brutality and force are not new among men. It has always been true that, as the Psalms have it, the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. Men who are little more than savages can be expected to behave as beasts. But never before in history has a nominally civilized, a nominally Christian nation deliberately made the profession, Evil, be thou my good. This war is unlike all other wars, for the deformed monstrosities that sheltered in darkness have crawled out of that darkness and openly challenged the world for the possession of its soul. They no longer fight under cover. They flaunt in steel. For Germany to win this war would not mean merely a redrawing of boundaries or a shift in sovereignty. It would mean the destruction of the free spirit of man. I wish those words inscribed on parchment might be framed and hung upon the walls of every home. The aim of Nazi Germany and her militarist Japanese partner is not merely the conquest of territory, not even world domination in itself. The forces of evil incarnated in the Axis powers 
are seeking to possess the world's soul. This time, through KMBC's own transcribing facilities, it is our pleasure to present the Honorable Harry S. Truman, United States Senator from Missouri, and a member of the important Senate Committee on Military Affairs and Chairman of the Special Committee Investigating the War Effort. Senator Truman is spending a few days in Kansas City inspecting war production plants here and visiting with friends. And uh, speaking of friends, I had the occasion to be in the Federal Building yesterday afternoon where the Senator has his offices, and noticed a large crowd, well, larger than usual, I think. Guard up there explained that Senator Truman is in town. About how many people have you seen since you've been here, Senator? Oh, two or three hundred, I'd say. <laughs> really keeping you busy, then. They sure are. I wonder if you couldn't tell us a little something about your ideas on the war effort and how things look to you. Well, nothing now is more important than the war effort. Our very existence as a nation depends on that and the speed with which it is carried out. The statement has been made that we are only ankle-deep in this war. Nothing truer has been said. We must wade in, wade in with all we have at home and abroad, if we expect to win the war as soon as it can be won. A great deal has been accomplished, but not nearly enough, not nearly enough to ensure success and victory. For years, our enemies have planned this brutal assault upon the rest of the world. For years, they have been accumulating vast arsenals of arms and weapons of war. Now the great resources of America have gone into war production, and we can see our way clear. In the past months, our factories have been producing tremendous amounts of the instruments of war. The immediate months ahead, uh, ahead will be the most crucial of the entire war, and on our ability to become a veritable arsenal of democracy depends the fate of millions of human beings everywhere. In the coming months, we must translate into reality the production goals which only a year ago were deemed fantastic and impossible of attainment. We cannot and we will not be satisfied until the crushing effect of the American efforts results in utter destruction of our enemies. We and our children must live in a world liberated from the forces of darkness and oppression, forces which now enslave and terrorize so many nations. These nations will rise again to take their rightful place in a world dedicated to freedom and honor among men if we Americans do our job. It is now time for every one of us to realize that the sacrifices that have been made in the past are as nothing to those that must be made now. Sacrifices must be made by industry. There can be no more business as usual. There can be no more profits as usual. Industry, all industry, must be directed to the same single purpose, victory. Manipulations to gain supremacy and monopoly in special fields must be forgotten. The war cannot be used as a tool or a lever by any group to gain undue advantages or privileges. Sacrifices must be made by labor. Labor will have to work longer and harder hours. There must be no strikes. The right of labor to strike is denied by no man. But an American... Um, but in America, victorious is labor's only guarantee of the rights in the future. Labor must do its part in bringing home to the nations of the world that we are now a united people. Labor's rank and file are as patriotic citizens as we have, and they are anxious and willing to do their part. Labor must produce constructive leadership to see that they do just that. 
I have confidence in the laboring man, and I know that he will do his part. Strikes in wartime cannot be tolerated. America's answer to the enemy is not confined to the production lines alone. No group is contributing more to the successful prosecution of this war than the American farmer. Upon his ability to raise larger crops than ever before will depend in great measure the success of our war program. Not only must we feed our fighting men and our civilian population, but we must also be the food supplier for the United Nations. Our farmers are working with untiring energy to ensure that these objectives will be met. Added to these groups, the shopkeeper, the housewife, every single American must do his and her share, must work and toil and sacrifice so that America may emerge victorious and so that we may preserve our dem democratic way of life. Thank you, Senator Truman. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard the Honorable Harry S. Truman, United States Senator from Missouri, who spoke to you from our studios through KNBC's own transcribing facilities.